Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Science Patrol podcast, your podcast for all your various and sundry Ultraman needs. We are here at Science Patrol Auxiliary Headquarters in central New Jersey, and uh, my name is Rich Conroy. I'll be your host. With me is Patrick Green. Say hi, Patrick. Hey, everybody. How are you? Uh, well, all right. They can't, they can't talk back. They can't? Well, no. why not? Oh, well, you know how. We don't have that kind of thing rigged <laughs> up yet. I'm still trying to work on our new... Uh, we have a... Uh, a nice new recorder here that was lent to us by Mr. Casey Kill, whom I work with. And uh, thank you, Casey, because it looks like this is working out just fine. Uh, we just watched the very first episode of Ultraman, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we'd like to uh, get a few things out of the gate first. I've been an Ultraman fan since I was 10 years old, uh, thereabouts. Saw it on cable TV when we first got cable. Um, we got two whole channels from Ooh. Philadelphia. I know. Uh, 17 and 29. I'm pretty sure 29 was the one that showed all sorts of Japanese programming. They showed Star Blazers, Marine Boy. Never uh, heard any of them. Yeah. Um, uh, Speed Racer. That, okay. That, that you know, um, and they showed Ultraman and Star Blazers. And uh, I might have said that already. Okay. But that's okay. But yeah. So, so as a kid who was, you know... Folks, I don't know if you know this, but in the 70s and early 80s, we didn't have things like VCRs or on-demand programming coming from a magic box on your television. All we had was a smaller magic, actually a much larger magic box with a wired remote that was also huge. Imagine a laptop connected to your TV with a brown wire that got somewhere in the neighborhood of 36 channels. Not even that many usually. Yeah, and well, you know, there was, once you got down to the third level, because remember it had the three, the three level oh, selector. Cable oh, you didn't have that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay, the box had a three lever selector, and once you got down to the bottom, it was like C-SPAN, public television, like the local community thing, which was just basically computer screens of like, uh, town meeting at such and yeah, such with this time really bad elevator music. So the simple fact that we got stuff from other other areas. states and other areas and HBO, uh, which my father was livid that we were paying an extra two dollars a month for, um, absolutely, absolutely livid. But this show comes on and it's a show with a giant superhero and he's fighting monsters. Now, as a kid who watched Godzilla movies, whenever they came on. Because it was an event. Right. I you, remember that. There you, were a week of Godzilla movies, and then the following week was King Kong movies. Right. Or, or Planet of the Apes. No, that Always was the next the, week after. Yeah. <laughs> the next week after. Yeah. It was, uh, Apes week. Monster week. You know, that was great. It was Channel 7 did it on the Million Dollar Movie. The uh, Channel 9 for me in New York. Yep, Channel 9 did it, too. 11 did it, too. Um, but, you know, they would have it on a Saturday. They'd maybe show one. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But it was, you got the TV guide out when you were, when you were our age, you got the TV guide out and... Made a plan to be in front of the television <laughs> when the show you wanted to watch was on. Because That's right. it wasn't coming on again. And man, you held it if you had to pee. You're like, come on, give me a commercial. And you just had to wait. You had to do it. Wait. Because we're old, you have to understand this is old people talking yes, about Yes, we are old relatively shows. old. <laughs> but, you know, when I found a show that ha that was on every day, every day, about giant monsters busting up buildings, shooting rays at each other, it was an epiphany. 
I loved it so, so much. So that's what we're basically talking about today. Now, Ultraman, for those of you who don't know, is a show, um, it's a tokusatsu. Do you know what tokusatsu is? I do not. Tokusatsu is basically Japanese special effects programming. So, so they have a whole program. word just for special effects program. They have a word for everything. You okay, yeah, they are Japanese. Except for table. Really? Table is taburu. So it's table, table, but with an accent. Okay. Yeah. It's nice. Um, but it first aired in 1966, so this is the 50th anniversary year of Ultraman. And I have to say, I've never seen it before today. Yeah, yeah. We, we came he up, goes with, he knows everything. I'm the, I don't know a thing. I'm going to go as I go. Right. So we basically came up with the idea for this podcast because um, I was showing the kids Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. And uh, Pat was banning about the idea of doing a podcast. Pat's like, oh, what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, why don't we watch Ultraman and talk about that? And he's like, all right, that gives me a premise. I'll do it. So that's how that happened. Then it took forever to get us both on the same schedule. But anyway, it was broadcast in July, first time July of 1966. Um, and it was a follow-up to a show called Ultra Q, uh, which was a sort of more X-Files-y uh, monster of the week. Not that Ultraman's not monster of the week, but... Um, was there a giant robot involved? Because that could be the difference. No, there was no there was no defending alien. I've not seen a lot of Ultra Q, but it's a more... Um, oh, this weird phenomenon is going on. We have to okay. kind of answer the ultra question. Like, what is the ultimate question? I gotcha. So... Um, there were there were monsters, um, but there was no very cool looking. No, there was no there was no alien from Nebula M seventy eight, as it were, um, to assist. But that's okay. Uh, it was broadcast on Tokyo Broadcasting System TBS, not our TBS, obviously. Uh, July seventeenth, nineteen sixty six to April 9th, nineteen sixty seven. There was a total of thirty nine episodes. Uh, and that's forty if you're counting. They had the birth of Ultraman special. Um, the week before because they wanted kind of the television station uh, were they're adamant to get it on the air by a certain date E.G. Subaraya who was the creator of the show were, was like we, we can't get it on the air by then but we'll do a live special introducing everyone to the characters fair enough yeah. fair so it's a half hour black and white um, introduction to introduction this is this guy, this is this mm -hmm. girl. Yeah. Hey, by the way, look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check this guy out. Look at these suits. You don't know what, the, but they're orange. Um, so it's the first series to fig to feature um, an Ultraman. Now, Ultraman continues to this day in various forms, but he is not the same character. There are other Ultramen. There are... Fair enough. Something yeah. like the Power Rangers. How they're old yes. Power Rangers, but they're not the same Power Rangers. Right. Exactly. And it is... It galls me that the Power Rangers are as successful as they are in America. And yet Ultraman is... It's a niche at best. Yes. Yeah. Like, super popular in the 70s. Everybody knew Ultraman was. I didn't. But I know. I didn't have like, cable. Yeah. That's it. If, see, if you had lived in Philadelphia, you'd have been able to see it. True. So it was a local station. Ah. Uh -huh. You know, like our uh, Channel 9 and 11. Right. But for some reason, they broadcast it on our cable. My assumption is just like, hey, it's cheap, and we need content. Right. That's exactly basically what it was. Yeah, it that's was what cheap cable and we was. Need content. Yeah. So basically, um, we're going to talk about that today. 
Uh, just bear with me one second. The Ultraman central character is, of course, created by Eiji Tsuburaya. He started Tsuburaya Productions. You may know his name from special effects of a certain Godzilla series. So he handled all of these special effects for that. Which kind of uh, makes until sense. Until his death uh, in 1970. Um, it, was, uh, it was the first series to be filmed in color. Oh, really? In Japan? I'm thinking it was the first... I don't know if it was the first actual show completely in Japan, but it was definitely the first tokusatsu show completely in color. color. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Ultra Q was a black and white show. Um, the original titles were Woo. I'm sorry. Woo. Woo. Oh, okay, yeah. Woo. I don't think it was quite as exciting as that. <laughs> um, I'm reading this off Wikipedia right now. This. The story featured a corporeal space creature with two large eyes who befriended a commercial photographer, um, but the self-defense forces who perceived the alien as a threat went after them. All right, so it's that's pretty cool. It said that it was basically the monster version of a science fiction series, Doctor Who, and Wu's personality was also to be comical. Um, he was all, the name Wu was in, ended up being used for a monster that we're going to see later. Um, also, Bemler. Right, was actually going to be saw. the name of the show. Oh, that was yes. going to be the name of the show. Yes. Um, the main characters were, of course, were going to be like a science patrol. Um, one of the members, unknown to anyone, even his teammates, gained the ability to transform into a giant bird-like human-eyed monster called Bemler. Uh, of course, obviously not the same spiky not the same Bemler that we just saw. saw. That's no. right. Um, and also Redman. That was also a, uh, a cover, or a uh, first draft title um they but eventually he has use no that red on him sure he does oh yeah he's got that sort of red, red, yeah, red yeah, yeah. buttocks area and the, uh, the, the, the sort of reddish yeah he's yeah. got he's red and silver okay yeah so um but red man actually became a subaraya show that was I, I don't know when they aired it they're very short episodes the budget is minuscule it's basically a guy in a suit beating the ever-loving bejesus out of a guys guy in, in a different suit. Yeah, but there's like no rays. It's just dudes rolling down hills, uh, just beating the ever loving yeah. snot out of each other. They're like four minutes long, and the only th the only thing I can see Redman doing is just he likes to kill monsters for no apparent for no apparent that are not really not doing anything. Things. They're not doing anything that's apparently just bad. They're just oh, those monsters I have to kill them. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about the first series, uh, but I want to get to the characters real quick. Um, there's a, we're going to go with the U.S. names, which is Captain Mira. Uh, that's the gentleman you're going to see with a pipe. He's our stalwart leader of the Science Patrol. Um, Ito, which is the um, gentleman who is going to be known as Comic Relief throughout this series. He was the thinner faced of the two gentlemen. Since you really don't get into a lot of names in the yeah, first episode. Yeah, he really didn't get any names um, at all. You do know Fuji. Right, yeah. Um, who is the uh, very easy on the eyes, official member of the Science Patrol. Except, you know, she gets to fly the planes and everything, but she still has to make everybody coffee. Welcome to the 60s, everybody. <laughs> Feminism, what are we talking yeah, we, about? Look, we're letting her fly the plane. We gave her a job. <laughs> um, then there's um, Arashi, who is the more heavyset faced guy. And, uh, oh, by the way, from our headquarters here, we can watch all of our neighbors walk dogs. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. Fergus, my dog, will be on the couch downstairs because that's Rocky, his best Aww. friend. Yes. Um, and uh, Hoshino. He's a little boy who's friends with local kids. Um, he's the Science Patrol's 
unofficial mascot in the English dub. He is um, known as Hoshino Fuji, and he is Fuji's younger brother. But in the Japanese original, he is just a kid that hangs out at the science patrol. And what I like is just having watched this whole episode, they leave the 10-year-old in charge. That's right. God forbid we don't leave a 10-year-old in charge. That's Somebody's right. got to be in charge. So in, Jap in Japan, this happens so frequently. Like, kids are allowed into um, war rooms, and, oh, we have to figure out a plan to fight this giant monster. And, uh, oh, he's 10, he's fine. Um, it's, there's no trouble at all about that. I see no reason. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, of course. And we're also see uh, uh, Hayata, who is our... Uh, our erstwhile hero of the program, um, he gets uh, bonded with uh, Ultraman, the giant from Nebula M78, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Now, the first episode, like I said, um, bear with me one second as I'm trying. It's called Ultra Operation Number One. Um, of course, July 1966. Uh, just give me one second while I look that up because I'm trying to find the stupid. <laughs> nah, I can't find it. Anyway, basically the idea is um, Hayata's out on patrol. He discovers a UFO. He crashes into one of said UFOs. Um, the other one lands in a lake, which is uh, discovered by a group of... Not exactly teenagers. Yes, yeah, they say young people who were having, um, you know, having a picnic or a camp out, rather in the forest and by god if they're young people then i'm still young that's right <laughs> we would qualify they're also dressed exactly like uh, brooklyn hipsters um a lot of cardigans uh turned up collars yes yeah, you know like uh, uh fedora hats one of them's playing a ukulele so you know i'm not kidding um they are <laughs> hip by they, god they are they are exactly they are if you had transported these guys to brooklyn now You'd go, oh, look at those dudes. Be like, a lot of Japanese people over there, but that's about it. That's, it would you be. wouldn't even notice that there were just a lot. It's just yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah. They would look at a place only because they're dressed in teenage clothing and they're not teenagers. And they're not. Yeah. Well, actually, they're dressed in clothing that was just regular clothing. Hip. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that was it. You know. And like, but you know. Also, when you watch a lot of old movies, you see people that are twenty-five years old and they look forty. Yeah. <laughs> but legitimately, people. People just aged bad. Like you see pictures. Of, oh, this is my grandmother when she's fifty. And you're like, <laughs> didn't have all the surgeries we have today. Not even that. But you're fifty-ish, right? Not yet. You're close. close. You're close. close. Both of us are knocking on fifty, and neither of us look like somebody forty years ago knocking on no, fifty. No, no, no. I'm getting the gray hair now. Yeah. Well, you'll notice all the white hair coming in on the beard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Nose hair, still red. That's, and that's good that's for God's, redheads, because redheads go gray quick. Yeah, that's God's joke. No, of course. Here, yeah, that's the ear <laughs> hair coming out of that thing growing off the ear ear gray. Oh, No, no, that's red. Red. Nice. Yeah, all the hair oh. you don't want, red. <laughs> Stuff you'd like to cultivate, going to be white. White soon. Yeah, very white. <laughs> I'm not even going to go gray. It's oh, no, just no, going to go gonna white. It's going to be white quickly. It's going to go white. Yeah, that's as soon okay. As it starts, it'll be white quick. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Surprisingly, I am okay with that. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the episode. So we see uh, Ultraman, he feels real guilty 
for what he's done. He's crashed into this guy's plane, and by God, we know that this guy is a good guy somehow. Yeah. I don't know how Ultraman knows this, but he just knows. Well, he sees him trying to track down. Uh, you know, you got a point. I never even thought of that. Pat also had a point, which which I never noticed. Science Patrol wears a uniform that's basically an orange sort of Dusty combination. Kind of it's a unitard, really. It's like oh, yeah. it's all one piece. I know it's I all think. one piece. It, oh no, absolutely! You can see the stitching on yeah. the, the black piping that they have on the arms. Yeah. So, but what was your what was your uh, their holster for their gun? If it was any higher, it would be on their chest. Yeah. It is very high for what looks very much like a belt. Yeah, it's like a bikini top. It looks like a sister bar almost. It's at the very bottom of a longish tie. And it's not a really long tie. It's like at belly button height for where a regular belt would be at pant height. No, this is belly button height. Yeah. So you've got these guys dressed in orange jumpsuits with modified, like, sort of motorcycle helmets on with visors. Um... But they're wearing ties. Very important that they have a tie with a glowing tie clip, which signifies danger for some reason where you haven't quite figured out why. Oh, that I've got. That It just notices it's from outer space. It's not earthly. There you so go. Therefore, it's bad. There you go. Fair enough. I'll buy that. Um, so the, they find the monster in the lake once these, uh, once these kids are like, oh, something landed in the lake, and out pops Bemler. And, uh, or in Japan, he's known as Bemular. Um, Either way, close enough. Um, and the, the only way they find out it's Bemla is because our hero has now bonded with Ultraman, and the hero tells them, "Oh, by the way, that's Bemla." Oh yeah, by the Nobody way, yeah. asks how he knows yeah. that it's Bemla. It's just Bemla. Yeah, and by the way, we're also not gonna. He's like, "Where are you?" He's like, "That's not important, but I need the sub delivered to the to middle the of the lake." lake. So maybe you're at the lake. I said I don't need to tell you. So <laughs> Fuji flies the sub out there, drops it in the lake. Hayata shows up on obviously a stolen speedboat, which they do not address. <laughs> it just happened to be there. Yeah. What? The keys were in the dash. It's fu- this is official science patrol business. I can't be bothered exactly. with it. Exactly. No details. To be fair, he may have commandeered it from the owner. He may have said, listen, science patrol business. You know, like, science patrol, here are the keys, yeah. buddy. Rock on. We're not giving any of that information because it's extraneous. Yeah, it's also yeah. a 30-minute show. It's not a full movie. We don't need to know what happened. Um, so they lure Bemler out of the lake. They shoot at it with the most insane lightning guns. Um, which, which are very cool effects, I do have to give. The, yeah. the sub cool effect because you don't know if it's in front of behind of or how it is associated with the tank that it's in <laughs> but you know it's not really in a tank because they have little fire rockets coming out of it yeah uh probably filmed well no i don't think they filmed it at toho i know they they filmed certain things at the toho lot um and toho had a when they did the water shots for godzilla and whatnot had a big what they called the pool but it was enormous. Okay. And had a big painted cyclorama of the sky in the back. So it looked way in the distance. So that's basically probably what they did. They just rented out they the studio did. for a day and yeah. did what they could do. And there it is. Yeah. They were very big on um, like interchanging people. Like, oh, you need help with this? We'll send some of our guys. Because it was, you know, it's Japan. Everybody all together. Let's do yeah. this thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hayata attacks... Uh, Bemler by 
shooting missiles directly into his butt, and it gets him mad, and he... he uh, Sinks right down into the water at first. Yeah, so and then he jumps up, and they shoot him again. Uh, this is this time the, uh, the science patroller in their... Uh, their uh, I can't remember the name of the ship, but it's like a hover, VTOL kind of thing. And... Um, so this goes on for a little while until Hayata, for some reason, pilots the ship, the submarine, directly into Bemler's mouth. So of course he stands up like the triumphant monster that he is, and uh, shakes the sub around a couple times, yeah. chucks it in the forest, and proceeds to light the whole joint on fire. <laughs> where I notice that the fire doesn't move. No, it's, if, it's right where it is. That's right it. where the fire is, it's not moving, it's not going anywhere. It could Nothing be very moves. moist. Uh, to be fair, it could have rained. It could have rained recently. Should we don't rain. know. Okay, fair enough. Fair we could, enough. could have rained, so there could be damp underbrush. We don't know. Uh, it's Japan. Very, you know, it's a very humid and moist climate. And something you pointed out that we never really see: our hero is bleeding. That's right. We he has bashed his head, um, and there is a stripe of blood down his forehead to his nose. Hey, something in the in a, a kid's show today. My God, you can't show somebody with blood, whether it's the hero or not. That's just that's just bad form. You can't do that. Um, but he comes to once the fire uh, actually affects the ship. Yeah, I guess it gets a little warm, and he's like, "Well, gee, this is getting uncomfortable. Maybe I should undo my tie on my unitard." And uh, he sees that he's bleeding, gets himself free. Uh, and uh, waves his magic wand. Oh, the beta capsule. Beta we didn't capsule. address the beta capsule. Ultraman, when he bonds with him while he's unconscious from his ship crashing, um, gives Hayata a beta capsule, which allows him to transform into the silver giant Ultraman. Um, so he becomes Ultraman and then starts to wrestle with Bemler. Bemler's pretty great monster design. He's uh, tall, he's thin. He's very spiky. He looks almost like an anemone, kind of. No, he, I mean, he looks more like many of the versions of Godzilla. Right. But not exactly, because they don't want to take Godzilla away, because right. Godzilla is alive by this point. But they want to use an easy Godzilla costume that they have on their back. Oh, you the have not seen them use a Godzilla costume yet. Oh, not yet. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, then he's a combination of a... Because he's got like a froggy sort of mouth. Yeah, he's got a froggy mouth, a porcupine back. Yeah, yeah. And green lizard, everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easiest way to put it. Yeah, but he's red. No, he was green. Was he? He was green. Okay, so more of a Christmas motif monster. <laughs> but yeah, so um, he's got these little stubby arms, which is nice because um, it's not your typical guy in a suit. Um, the actor's arms I was reading actually had to be in the suit, like locked close in to him, so he could just because he had little things to move, to move the arms. Yeah, like little tiny um, like sticks. sticks. Yeah, yeah. marionette kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a he's got a really nice blue ray um, that's sort of reminiscent of Godzilla's atomic breath. Um, you know, what I'm going to get in. I'll do right now. This is a segment I completely stole from. Uh, the Can I Pet Your Dog podcast. So I'm sorry, Allegra and um, Renee, but uh, I'm stealing the Mutt Minute and okay. I'm calling it Monster Minute. And we're going to talk about the monster for a couple minutes. And it's not going to be strictly a minute, um, but we're going to talk about Bemlar, uh, or Bemular, as he is in Japan. He's a ruthless alien reptile. 
uh, like monster that somehow escaped from the monster graveyard. The monster graveyard is an important thing later. Okay, um, well, we're not there yet. No, uh, he's confronted by Ultraman on Earth and defeated, obviously. Um, uh, another, other, other Bemlars are uh, found later on in different series. It's unknown if they're the same species or not. I would think so, but uh, since I don't get to that. Yeah, obviously. and Bemlar's height is 50 meters tall. So that'd be about 160-ish feet yeah. because it's a little bit more than three. So 160 yeah. feet. So I usually I do the rough math of 100 of, of three. three. I just yeah. go like, yeah, I'm fine. It's 150 plus. Um, the weight is 25,000 tons. Okay. It's fairly hefty. Flight speed is Mach 1.3 when he's in the uh, space orb. Bit more than the speed of sound. Obviously. That's right. And uh, he took residence in Ryugamori Lake. Oh, that's what the name of the lake was? Yes. Okay. Because I could not remember it to save my life. Thank you, Wikia. Um, I appreciate that. Um, now, let's see. Uh, he escapes from the monster graveyard with Ultraman in hot pursuit. He made his way to Earth. He made his way to Earth. I'm uh, Englishing not good today. Um, he uh, English land majors we not be. No. <laughs> <laughs> now he hides himself in this lake uh, while Ultraman himself crashes into Hayata's ship, killing him. And out of grief, he forms a bond uh, with him to save his life. Um, of course, the uh, here's some trivia about Bemular. Uh, suit actor is Teruyo Arakaki. Never heard of the gentleman before. Um, his name was originally one of the proposed concepts for Ultraman himself, as I discussed before. Uh, his roar is a modified Godzilla roar, though, so... It kind of seemed like it. Yeah, it's, uh, apparently it's re in reverse and fades into the original roar at a higher pitch so that it sounds that more mechanical. Gotcha, gotcha. So that way they can borrow it, use it, and not pay for it. Yeah, well, I mean, E.G. Superia created so much of that stuff. So, so it was kind of like, yeah, go ahead, you know, like they, there's a lot of beg borrowing and stealing from I the gotcha. show, like where they can, you notice the, when the communicators went off at Science Patrol headquarters, yeah. there's a very abbreviated Ghidorah roar. Like, I didn't even notice Yeah, that. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Due to the suit possessing props for arms, uh, the suit actor has to hide his arms inside the suit, giving him a very thin appearance. Uh, suit would later be recycled and modified to create the monster Gyango. Um, and let's see, due to the placement of eyelids on Bemular, one being lower than one, and one completely lacking an eyelid, which I didn't even notice, it gives the monster a deranged and psychotic look. I'll give him that. Yeah, they look deranged. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, just some stuff uh, there's a lot of other. He appears in some other series. He appears in. Oh, you don't want to get there yet? No, but he appears in the Ultraman 2004 film, Ultraman Tiga, uh, Superior Ultraman Eight Brothers, and that looks. To, oh, and uh, Mega Monster Battle Ultraman Galaxy Legend of the movie. There we go. That's a Japanese title for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we can throw up on the screen. Yeah, we want to make sure this is do. specific and non-specific as possible. Uh, all right, so that's that about um, Bemler. I don't know how long that took. Hopefully, it was about a minute, but I'm not gonna. Probably about two-ish. Yeah, it's all right. Like I said, I'm stealing the name. I'm stealing part of part of the concept, but uh, it's because it's one of my favorite podcasts as a dog owner. Fair enough. Um, now, uh, so what's your impressions of the first episode? It was actually very good. I was very impressed with the special effects that they did use because you have to put it 
in comparison to Star Trek, which is basically the same time period. Yeah, exactly. And the Star Trek special effects are not quite as good. You're not even close. Their big special effect is sparkly water that becomes a transporter. <laughs> Whereas this special effect, you got your lightning special effect, you had a blue fire special effect, an underwater special effect, underwater with fire special effect. That's right. So it was very and impressive. And the Specium Ray. And the Specium Ray, which was very interesting. Yeah, that's Ultraman's finishing move, if you've ever seen Ultraman. It's lots of little dots that just kind of go from his hand out to said monster, and poof, monster's yeah. done. Blows him up like they're chock full of kerosene. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And, and the monster, like Rich pointed out as we were watching the thing, has sparks going, you know, little bombs going off him, which he says are firecrackers. Yeah, they're, no they're blowing off charges on these suits. So the suit actors are, for one thing, like when you see when you see like those miniature tanks and whatnot just firing stuff. Yeah, yeah. they're firing stuff at them. Like they're I getting mean, pegged with stuff left and right. Little little things. Yeah, but little, still they're still on fire. <laughs> so it, it it's a lot different than what you would expect of an American show. And I've like I said, I've never seen this show before. So the special effects for the time. Are fantastic. Yeah, they they were they had the only, I want to say optical printer. Um, other than Walt Disney. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, so fair enough. They saw Walt Disney's optical printer. I think you see where I traveled to America and basically had another one constructed. Fair enough. Like because you can see the different layers that are on the screen. Mm -hmm as they're doing the thing. Now, you don't know exactly which layer is what, yeah. but you can see the fact that there is stuff layered on what's basically a kid's show. Yeah, it's, so it's well done. I mean, I mean Walt Disney had obviously more money, he's Walt Disney, and was making hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long movies that he expected to make money off of. Right. This is a kid's show where they're just going to try to sell the toys from the show. So. If they don't put everything on the screen, the kids aren't going to buy the toys. That's They're right. not going to make money. That's right. And to be honest with you, Ultraman is a worldwide phenomenon. This is the only country where people are like, Ultra who now? Exactly. The what now? Yeah. I mean, you go to you go overseas and, like, there is a, there was, I don't know if there still is, but an Ultraman theme park in oh, Japan. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. They had live stage shows, the whole oh, ball of wax. Oh, wow. The whole ball of wax. It's amazing. Um, I, I think it recently closed. I could be wrong. Um, well, like you said, that's something for a different day. Yeah, we can talk people. later about that. But yeah, there's an Ultraman theme park. I mean, that's crazy. You can go to, you can probably go to any Japanese grocery store in this area. Like the big, big ones. Right. I guarantee you there's something of Ultraman in there, whether it's just one of those little candy things. Right, right, right. But I mean, we'll have something that will have Ultraman visit face yeah, on it. Yeah. And because he, kids want the Ultraman stuff still. And he's huge over there, like just gigantic. Um, here in America, we didn't get a lot of stuff. We got an Ultraman Halloween costume by Ben Cooper. Okay. You know, the kind with the. Annoying right, the plastic, annoying mask, plastic mask, of and, course. The, and the suit that has the name of the character because people are people too stupid to no tell you're Fred is. Flintstone. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> even mean, though you have Fred Flintstone's face <laughs> and the outfit, still says Fred Flintstone. Well, who are you supposed to be? Your mother? Who do you think? <laughs> you know, like exactly. Little rude children. Um, and that's a stupefying amount of money. That thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no no the the, the 
children's costumes are insane. Yeah. But I mean, for what they had in 1966, those special effects are quite fantastic. I give them that. You should see the to- the the toys that they had in Japan are insane. They had a Ultraman driving a car, like a wind-up. They had tin toys. They had die cast. They had wow. Oh, it was crazy. And uh, I still have a, an Ultraman figure someplace. It might be in my storage unit. I'm not sure. Um, that I got in college. Somebody had gone to some convention or some mother, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna." I, I brought you this back, and I was like, "This is amazing." There's an Ultraman, there's Ultraman toys. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, in fact, there's a there's a Godzilla versus they think the Smog Monster. You see kids playing with. These big Toy- Godzilla yeah. vinyls, right? Yeah. And they're real. They didn't just make that for the movie. They, Those are like seven hundred dollars okay. if you could find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're yeah. crazy money. Um, so that I mean, Ultraman had these big vinyl figures, and they had soakies, like you know, oh, bubble, all sorts of bubble, bu- yeah. you know, bubble bath stuff bubble and whatnot. Stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Just berserk amount of stuff, and yet. Nothing. Uh, like I said, I've never seen it. I'm not going to say I'm young, so I've, yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. Now, I've heard about it because we've been talking about this for a little while. Yeah. But I had never seen an Ultraman. Now now that I know what the face looks like, yes, I've seen Ultraman stuff in, like you said, Japanese stores, yeah. Chinese stores, where they know they're going to get Japanese. We'll put some Ultraman stuff in if it's and it'll, it'll sell. sell. It'll, and it'll yeah. sell. So I've seen the face, not knowing who it was, right? Not really caring. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, big silver guy, whatever. I work in Manhattan, in sometimes oh, in Chinatown, sure. and I would see the visage all over the place, sure. and not have any idea. Oh, look, it's some Elizabeth kind of Center. Town. You've been in the basement of Elizabeth oh, Center, absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Chock full, chock full of stuff. But um, yeah, so that's basically the first episode of Ultraman. He comes, uh, Hayata is discovered running towards the science patrol um, after defeating Bemler. And he's like, oh, I don't know who that guy was. We're going to call him Ultraman. He told you he was Ultraman. Like, so he gets all the credit. Like, I'd be mad if I was like, look, I saved your life and you're going to, like, going to pretend you made up my name? Thanks. He he sort of tried to let other people name it so he didn't have to. And nobody could come up with anything. But he said, okay, fine, it's Ultraman. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, that'll oh, that's work. super cool. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Ultraman's probably inside going, yeah, because it's my name, you jerks. I'm not having this. But yeah, so that's basically our first episode. And we're going to, next week's podcast is going to be two episodes. We're going to cover two episodes of Ultraman. Um, and they will be as soon as I find the bloody things again. Uh, this is me vamping. Okay, it's going to be Blast the Invaders um, and Science Special Search Party Move Out. Um, which um, the alternate version of uh, the alternate title for that is my personal favorite, which is Sally Forth Science Patrol. Well then, yeah, I like Let's that. Let's go, Sally Forth. I like that one, <laughs> Sally Forth Science Patrol. So anyway, you've been listening to the inaugural episode of the Science Patrol podcast. Hope you liked it. Yep, I'm I'm Rich Conroy, Pat Rooney. And uh, let's see, we got to do our plugs. Um, it's at Science Patrol Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're going to have a Facebook group. It may not be ready yet by the time you hear this. Um, the email address is Science Patrol Podcast at, no, it's not Science Patrol Podcast, it's Ultraman Podcast at gmail.com. 
The Twitter is Ultraman Podcast, not at Science Patrol Podcast. It is at Ultraman Podcast. I have no knowledge of any of this. <laughs> yes, Pat's not on Twitter yet, but I'm trying to get him there. Not going to um, happen. <laughs> Uh, let's see. That's about it. Our Tumblr will be ready shortly, and I'll make sure that gets up there. And uh, let's see. The equipment was lent to us by Casey Kittle, who is also the producer of this fine show. And we hope to see you all next week. Thanks very much, and have a great day. Take care.